verses 8 through 11 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. A cheerful steward is one who sows with blessing. This is you sowing your time, your talent, and your treasure to bless others. And you sow these things without expecting anything in return. A cheerful steward also is intentional about how and where that time and talent and treasure is also sown. It's planning ahead of time before you actually participate in stewardship. Two weeks ago I said, you won't sow with blessing if you believe your time, talent, and treasure actually belong to you. You won't sow with blessing if you believe your time, talent, and treasure actually belong to you. You won't sow with blessing if you believe you are the only reason why you have the things that you have. If it's just because of your hard work, just because of your education, if it's just because of you, then you will not sow with blessing. For if you believe these things, if you live that way, you will sow cheaply, not with blessing. What should motivate you to sow with blessing? It should not be me. I'm just a man with issues like you. And not self-glory. But it's a savior that you just finished singing about whose soul with blessing in order to bless you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, you might become rich. Has Jesus blessed you? Has Jesus provided for you? Has Jesus made a way for you? Has Jesus ever left you high and dry? No, no, and no again. For he who has called you into his wonderful kingdom is forever faithful to you. You sow it blessing because Jesus did the same for you and he still does. In these verses, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, verses 6 to 15, Paul paints a picture of a cheerful steward. He paints three images for us. We've talked about the first image, and that is sowing with blessing. This morning we're going to talk about the second image, and it's here in verses 9, 8 through 11. Verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things in all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will multiply and supply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. For you will be enriched in, in, in all ways for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Let us pray. Father, as we come to 
your word, and I pray that your spirit will speak through me. I pray that he will use these words, Lord, in this sermon to encourage hearts, to convict hearts. And that first heart is mine. My heart. My heart needs this. My mind needs this. My life needs this. I pray that I'll believe it. And so, Lord, I pray that the one who lives in us, that Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost, would do what he's called to do, and that is to remind us of truth and point us to Christ. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The second image Paul paints for us is that a cheerful steward is supplied by God with everything needed to sow with blessing. Think about that. God supplies you with what you need to sow. You see, your Heavenly Father, He not only calls you to sow a blessing, but He Himself is faithful enough to supply you with what you need to do it. Paul said to the Corinthians, and God is able. We just sung about it. God is able. Meaning what He is powerful enough. He is faithful enough. Not just able, but He's also willing. Willing to do what? To supply you with His grace. God supplies a cheerful steward with the grace needed to sow with blessing. The text says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He doesn't just give you grace just once, but he supplies it to you throughout your lifetime for whatever you need it for. You see, you and I are the orphan Annie. God is Daddy Warbucks the richest guy in the universe. He would never run out of grace. He is rich in his grace. There is no limit to his grace. He would never file for bankruptcy. He's not going to ever go down to Title Max. (laughs) Ever. He has more than enough grace to abound to all of his sons and daughters. But what does this grace mean? One pastor says, you see, there, there are not many graces. There is only one. What is it that God gives to each of us and calls grace is not an it. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. When God gives grace, he gives Jesus. And that grace in Jesus has many sided expressions in our living, but only one source. And it is him. The expression of grace in our text is grace as a work. And grace as a work is about you being transformed more and more into the image of Christ through the Spirit's power. God is able to make this work of grace abound to you. That means it will be an abundance of grace. God is a liberal grace giver. Okay? He's not stingy with his grace to you. I want you to notice that God does not sow his grace in you sparingly. He's not tight-fisted. Well, Lyle doesn't need that much grace today, so I'm going to be tight-fisted with him. But I'll be more free with this other person. No, he is not stingy. He gives it to you abundantly. But do you believe it? Do you rest in it? Why does he give us this grace, Paul says? So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound 
in every good work. He gives you this grace so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That term that has been translated sufficiency also means to be content. That you will have what you need. At all, all sufficiency at all times and all things is referring to the various situations and circumstances you face in life at this very moment. Paul is saying, whatever you are facing, you will have the grace you need to get through it. That's true for the Corinthians, and that's true for you as well at this moment. You will have the grace you need in the highs and lows of life. But do you believe it? You will have the grace you need in times of want, in times of plenty. You have the grace you need when you have a job or don't have a job. You have the grace you need when you have a lot of money, you have a little money. You have the grace you need when your family life is turned upside down. But do you believe it? Whatever situation, whatever circumstance you are facing at this moment, God's grace will abound to you so that you can abound in every good work. You see what Paul is doing? He's saying as you experience God's grace, you are to express that grace in every good work. That's what he's saying. And in the context, good work is referring to the meeting, the meeting the needs of others. The Corinthians were supposed to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. And that's the good work that Paul is referring to in this context for them. But what about you? What does this mean for you? If you've been convicted through this sermon series about stewardship, what should you do? What should you do? 2 Corinthians 12 says this, My grace is sufficient for you. That's what you need to know. That's what you need to know. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. That's what you need to do. If you're struggling with something, if you're beating yourself up about something, know God's grace is sufficient for you. His power will be made perfect in your weakness. We got to believe that. I got to believe that. So if you're not a cheerful steward this morning with your time, your talent, your treasure, then go to God. Go do business with Jesus. Don't get mad with the preacher. I mean, if you see your weakness, that's a good thing. That means the Spirit is working. Through the Spirit's power, you can be transformed to a cheerful steward. All grace abounds to you in Christ. There's a hymn that says, He gives more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sends more strength as our labors increase. To added affliction, he adds his mercy. To multiply trials, he multiplies peace. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known to man. For out of his infinite riches is Christ. He gives, he gives, and he gives again. Does that encourage you? Does it really? No matter your current life, situational circumstances, you can be a cheerful steward where God has you through Christ. The question is, do you want to be? Do we want to? Do we want that? Is it a priority? Because he supplies you with the grace you need to be a cheerful steward. Niagara Falls is a collective name of three waterfalls. A Horseshoe Fall, American Falls, and a Bridal Veil Falls. 
and then the Niagara Falls that straddles the international border of Canada and the United States. And these combined falls form the largest flow rate of any waterfall in the world. God's, the grace that God abounds to us is a Niagara Falls type of grace. All three persons of the Godhead are involved. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the flow rate of this Niagara Falls grace will never slow down. It will not dry up because of a drought. Old man winter and drought frost won't ever freeze it up. And for in the words of MC Hammer, it is too legit to quit. <laughs> on you. The grace he abounds to you is too legit to quit on you when you need it. But do you believe it? The question, you can laugh, but do you believe it? Are you going to believe it Monday morning? Are you going to believe it when you get the next phone call about a medical issue? Are you going to believe it then? I'm talking about when you really need it. When you really need this grace, do you believe it? Do you? He gives, gives, and gives again. God's grace, he supplies it to strengthen you, to sow it blessings. Secondly, God supplies the seed that you sow with blessing as well. Look at verse 10. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. God not only calls us to sow, but he supplies the seed for you to sow. That's interesting, don't you think? He's, he, he provides the seed. This past weekend, we were in Albany, Georgia, at Waikita's aunt's house, and her uncle is a farmer. Over 100 acres that he, that he has to cultivate and keep up. But, but, but guess what? He doesn't supply his own seed. He doesn't create the seed that he sows. It's supplied to him by outside source. And the same is for you. The time, the talent, and the treasure that you sow are seeds that God has given to you. You didn't give those seeds to yourself. You didn't rub some type of bottle and say, now I have a lot of money. Now I have this gift. Now I have that talent. God has given you everything that you think you own. It all belongs to him. Everything. He who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. That is your time, that is your talent, that is your treasure. That means you're not the source. Yahweh Elohim is the source. He is the manufacturer. You are the middleman. That's all we are. The middleman. That's all we're ever going to be. He gives it and we bless. He gives, we bless. You're the middle person. That's all we are. Look at your time. Look at your talent. Look at your treasure. What do you see? Is it a shortage? Do you don't have that much time? Are you pulled in too many directions? Are you overcommitted? Are you stingy? Are you cheap? If so, then go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to supply and multiply what you need. Father, supply and multiply me the time to sow it blessing. Father, supply and multiply me the talent to sow it blessing. Father, supply and multiply me the treasure to sow it blessing. He would give you the wisdom and discernment that you need 
And it's going to look different from every individual for every family. If you believe he is the source who supplies you with what you need, you will have open hands when it comes to stewardship. If you truly believe he is the source of all that you have, then you will have open hands and not tight-fisted. God not only supplies you with the seed, but it says he will also increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, what does that mean? What do you think that means? This is not justifying righteousness. This is not trying to earn God's favor. And harvest here is not talking about you're going to get lots of money. The increase in the harvest of righteousness is is you abounding in every good work. Remember, context always dictates interpretation of Scripture. Context. And the context here is the good works is the righteousness that is being increased. The Psalm 112 that Paul quotes here, he says, He distributes freely, he gives to the poor, and his righteousness endures forever. That's not talking about God. It's talking about the guy who sold, the guy who helped the poor. He's growing in his good works. His righteousness is referring to the good works done. He is a cheerful steward, a cheerful steward who gives to the poor without expecting anything in return. He is benevolent. And then righteousness here is charity. It's good works. And God will increase the fruit of your stewardship. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. None of the seeds you sow with blessing are in vain. You see, we always want to have a return on our investment. And that's just how we think as Americans. If I give to this thing, then I need to have some type of rate of return. Now, if I can't see the rate of return, then I may be a little stingy. But when God calls us to sow a blessing, we got to realize he is the one who causes the growth. He is. So that means when, when you are spending time with someone, walking alongside of someone for years through a hardship, you may never see the fruit of that seed you planted. But no, you planted a seed in that person's life because God has called you to do that. You may never see the fruit of the treasure that you sow into the kingdom of God, but no, it's not in vain because God has called you to do it. Paul tells the Corinthians in, chapter, in Corinthians 1, 15, 58, he says, My beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You've got to know that. Wherever God has called you to, wherever God has called you to sow your seed, it's not in vain. It may be hard, it may be tiring, it may be frustrated, but it's never in vain. It's never in vain. How do I know that? Because his word says it. But do you believe it when you need to believe it? You can believe it now, but when you need to believe it, do you believe it? There is no such thing as wasted time and talent and treasure used for the things of God. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Susie is a, a co-worker of my mother-in-law. They work at the Gilmore Center in Thomas, Georgia. And my mother-in-law used to share with me stories about Susie and her family uh, on many occasions. That it, these stories about how generous this family lived their lives. And they're very generous with their time and their talent and their treasure. 
and they freely give these things to others without expecting anything in return. And they actually created a fund called um, Raven, Raven Missions. Now, Susie says, when they were trying to think of a name, it, it came to me about the ravens feeding, feeding Elijah. As, and so she pitched the name Raven Mission because it was our goal to feed the hungry, both physically and spiritually. And so all of her immediate family put money into this account. And over the years, this family has helped a lot of people down in Katrina, and you know, they've provided Christmas for folks, and they do all of these things because of what Christ has done for them. Amen. That's why they do it. And this is what she told me. She says, I truly believe this was birthed out of a heart for the love of others. My desire on this earth is to love others and have a heart of love and compassion as Christ did. You see, we don't all have to go out and create a raven mission fund like Susan and her family, but we all should have a desire to have a heart and compassion like Christ. Because remember, he sowed with blessing for you. And because of what he did for you, you should do the same for others without expecting anything in return. Because he doesn't expect anything from you. In terms of salvation, he purchased it for you, gave it to you freely. How do I know that? That table is a reminder of that. That table. It's not just bread and juice. It's a reminder that Christ sold seeds for you to bless you. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? Look at this table. The bread, his body broken for you. The juice, his blood shed for you. He sold his life for you to the point of death. Point of death. And he did that for his enemies. I always remind you of this. Christ didn't die for friends. He didn't die because you were his buddy. He didn't die because you were his BFF. You was his enemy. That's why he died. He died for enemies. And this table is a reminder that he died to bless enemies. Marinate on your heart. Let that marinate in your soul. It's a reminder that all the blessings supplied to you, all the blessings that you currently enjoy, all come to you through the finished work of Christ upon the cross. This table is a picture of grace. God's grace to you. And he supplied this table for your spiritual nourishment, to nourish you spiritually. And those who have surrendered their life to Christ, those who have saving faith in Christ, are welcome to partake of this meal with us. Now, if you don't know Christ or if you don't have faith in Christ, I would please speak to me after the service. Speak to one of our elders. And we would love to sit down with you and talk with you about what it means to have saving faith faith in Christ. Adults, we ask that children that are with you abstain from the elements until they have made a profession of faith and been welcomed to the table by the church you attend. Now, kids, this is my favorite part. Now, I want each of you to watch what we do here in this meal. This meal is more than just juice and wine. It's just a picture of what Christ did for you on the cross. He went to the cross to die for your sins so that you can have life. 
so you can know the Father. And it is our prayer and the prayer of your parents that one day you will come to saving faith and be able to partake of this meal with us. So watch and observe. I'd like to have the elders, um, those assistants come forward.